is the Influencers Network podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries in Bentonville, Arkansas. And uh, I am pleased to have a special guest with me today, one of my old uh, peeps from Tulsa, uh, Scott Johnson, or I should say Scott L. Johnson. He likes to throw the L in there just to make sure it differentiates, right, Scott? That's true. <laughs> so uh, Scott uh, went through a journey with me. We, we, we got introduced to a mutual friend, uh, someone I did business with and someone he knew through other circles. And anyway, we became good friends. And then I invited him on the journey and he went on the journey with me. And uh, anyway, uh, Scott, if, if you if you guys out there have read Journey to the Inner Chamber, which is the way we start uh, a journey group, there's a character in the story when he gets to the table uh, called Mentor. And he's the guy that's hanging around the table, helping the guy learn how to eat the food at the table and how to, you know, and spoon feeding him almost until he gets and helps him work down to the where he can eat a big steak at the other end. Well, Scott, you're like, uh, you're one of those mentor kind of guys. You're one of those guys who helps men understand God's word and, and learn how to become self-feeders. And, and so I think God's gifted you in understanding the word and being able to explain it in layman's terms, you know, that, that where people can, anyone can understand it. Um, so, so Scott, I'm glad to have you here today. And uh, I wanted, I like interviewing guys from around the country. And just uh, as we, as we continue to talk about abiding and talk about living the Christian life and being a disciple, you know, and, and, and you talk about all different kinds of topics. So, so uh, Scott, what do we need to talk about today? Well, I think Brian, first of all, thank you so much for the introduction and if I can take just a, a half a minute and tell why I like to use the L as my middle initial. Okay, go ahead. There's two reasons. One is that there are lots of me around. When we had a phone book in Tulsa, there were seven of me in the book. When I was in high school, there were three of me, and the other two were a year older. And one of them had a less than stellar reputation. So I would get to class every once in a while, and teacher would look at me and frown and kind of go, oh, you're Scott Johnson. And I learned that I had to differentiate myself, but also my middle initial is L for Lawrence, and that's my dad's first name. He's gonna be 84 here in May of 2022, and he's just one of my best friends. And even when I was a teenager, I never thought he was an idiot or anything like that. And so I love using the L because it makes me think of him, and I just think that's a cool kind of generational thing. So Yeah, that's awesome. Just, just for what it's worth. So, you know what I like to do, Brian, with our topic today, I like to ask guys that are listening here, guys, I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about how good is your life. If I was in a room with you, I'd ask you to raise your hand if you think your life is just really pretty good right now. And I can tell you from experience, most of you would raise your hands. There's a few of you that are going through a tough time and a situation in a valley, but most of you would say, you know what? I might have a few struggles here and there, a few worries or concerns, but for the most part, yep, my life is really pretty good. So if you're listening to this, I want you to park that thought, and I'm going to come back to that a little bit later on. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, my life, it really is pretty great. I've been married for almost 40 years. I've got four grown children, five grandchildren. I've got a terrific job. We have a little dog that I think is just a great little dog. 
And uh, but my heart's passion, Brian, is teaching and speaking and pointing people, men and women, to God. And I'm so grateful that God lets me do that. And I'm appreciative to you for asking me to come and be your guest on this podcast. So thank you so much for that. And um, with that, I'll just say that I like to I like to ask us, I want you to picture in your mind's eye. Let me paint a word picture for you. It is Memorial Day weekend. You've been invited to some good friend's house for burgers and dogs. And so your family's in the car. You've got a couple of kids in the back seat and your wife has fixed a side dish and maybe a salad and they're in the trunk and you're driving over there. It's warm out. So you've got the AC on and the windows are closed. And as you get close to your friend's house, you start to slow the car down and pull up next to the curb and out of the dashboard vents, and I think we've all experienced this, out of the dashboard vents comes a little bit of smoke, like it's the good smelling smoke that something's cooking. And that's because at your friend's house that you've just pulled up outside of, there's already burgers and dogs on the grill and you can get that smell and you start to think about how good that's gonna be. And so you park the car, shut it off, uh, open the door, Uh, Maybe you got little kids and you unbuckle them out of the back and your wife grabs the dishes and you walk up to the front door and obviously, you know, everybody's in there. So you just let yourself in and you hear in the house lots of voices. But what you hear are women's voices and children's voices. That's all you hear. And so you go with your wife to the kitchen and you can picture this, guys. We can all picture this. Who's in the kitchen? All the women are in the kitchen and they're laughing and having a good time and talking about food and other stuff going on and what the kids did yesterday and the day before, and you're feeling a little outnumbered. And so you're happy to say hi to everyone and kind of beat a path. And we all know where you're going to head to next. You're going to head to the back door and you're going to go outside because I'll ask you, Brian, who's out in the back? All the guys are out in the back. That's it, buddy. All the guys are out in the back and they're all out in the back because they have to be near the what? The grill. They got to be near (laughs) the grill. They got to be near that fire. And so, yeah, there's four or five, six guys around there. There's one guy, right? The guy who lives there has got the the flipper and he's flipping the burgers with and all that, but he needs a lot of help. You know, we've all got to reach out and help him hold the flipper and turn the burgers over and, and just moral support being out there and shooting the breeze out there. And we're just kind of mesmerized by fire. aren't We We look in that, in that grill and, you know, I don't know about you guys. I've, I far, have a far stronger preference for charcoal. So I'm, I'm imagining in my mind, charcoal, not a gas grill, not a pellet grill, but a charcoal grill. And you've got fire underneath that, underneath that grill and you got flames and you got red hot coals and, you know, fire is just this really cool thing. There's just nothing else like it. It's a noun. It's a thing. But it's always it's in constant motion. It acts like a verb. It's never stops. You can't stop it. You can't contain it. If you try to hold it, it'll go out. If it doesn't have oxygen, it'll go out. It's just this thing that God's given us. That's just it's so cool. But it just draws men, especially I think, around it. And so I think sometimes, you know, what else could you do with those coals? You see those coals in the grill, or say you're looking in your fireplace, and you know you've been burning a fire for a while, and the logs are broken up, and all those really hot red hot coals with a little bit of really hot flame there below the rest of the fire. You could heat a house with it. You can cook with it. You can use it for ambiance. You could roast marshmallows over them. Something else I like to do, Brian, is I like to take a pair of those leather like grilling gloves that you can get nowadays. 
I like to put those on so I don't hurt my hands. I like to just scoop up a nice pile of those red hot coals and just drop it in my lap. I don't know, Brian, what do you, what, how does that sound to you? Sounds very painful. <laughs> I, I'm thinking the same thing, buddy. I'm thinking that does not sound good. Like, and if I was going to drop coals somewhere, my lap would not be the place that I, if I had to drop coals on myself someplace, that just, that would be pretty low on my list of places <laughs> I would choose to drop them. But, you know, I can't get this verse out of my mind. Proverbs 6, 27 through 29. I guess I, I should call it a passage, but I can't get this three verse passage out of my mind because it says, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? I mean, that's a word picture that that hurts. I mean, that just it's almost painful thinking about it. And then it says, can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. And I think, you know, a lot of us would hear that and think, well, you know, I mean, I'm not going to sleep with somebody else's wife. That's not that's not who I am. Well, then I think about Job in chapter 31 saying, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. And then Jesus, our Lord and Savior in Matthew 5, he just really does not let us off the hook at all. He says, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Already. I mean, we know, you know, most of us have not committed adultery. But by the standards of this verse, I mean, I, you know, if you guys could see me, I'd be raising my hand. I mean, if I if I'd done that, if I looked at a woman lustfully, of course I have. I don't know how many times. And so Jesus does not let us off the hook. And that's really what we're talking about today. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, yeah, you're you're reeling us in a little bit with the uh, the picnic analogy. But but no, it's this is a serious issue. We uh, and and I think um you know, Scott got asked to speak to our guys in Tulsa just recently. And, and and by the way, this this applies to men and women. I want to make that clear. There, there are women, a lot of women involved in influencers now, too. And I think that, uh, you know, adultery and lust and all that is not just for men. I mean, it's not a, a problem only men struggle with. And we can talk about that, Scott. But but uh, you really wanted to talk to the men in Tulsa. And and you really did. You, didn't you focus it a lot on uh, pornography? Because that seems to be the biggest one of the bigger problems with Christian men or yeah. any man. Is yeah. that right? I did. I did. And I'm going to, I'm going to get there, Brian. That That is where we're going to go. And I'll admit that uh, my talk really is a talk that's aimed at men. I've only given this talk up to this point to men, uh, but I acknowledge what you're saying. Pornography um, has become a bigger issue for women, but I'll also tell you that I think the idea of the romance novel is a little bit more in most women's wheelhouse in terms of kind of how they lust. They lust for an emotional connection mm -hmm. that maybe they don't have with their husband. And so there's this guy in the romance novel who really doesn't exist. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably keep most of my comments to the guys, but the analogy is still is still very real and very present. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, talking about like I like what you said, you know, Jesus. He sets the highest standard. You know, he 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 wants to see even how what we're doing with our eyes and with our when we see a woman and, and all that. You know, and so so yeah. So um, so let's just talk about let's just kind of talk about the problem and and kind of what's going on. And then I hope that we can get to how to what's the remedy. You know, and how to how to help men know how to combat this because it's a real thing. And I think you're right, Scott. Every single man they'd be lying if they didn't say. 
they've had some form of, you know, casting a, a lustful glance or whatever, you know, all the way to, I know there's probably men out there who have had affairs and all that. And yeah, just from all the number of men I've led through journey groups, I know that to be true. No doubt. No so, doubt. so go ahead and jump in wherever you want to want to start on this or well, go from here. I want to, I want to just throw some thoughts into the, into the mix here before we even get to pornography, because I think the problem for guys is, is not just the visual. It is the visual, but the problem for guys is really a little broader than that. And there is also an emotional connection and a respect connection here. And let me explain that. So first of all, I like to ask guys, how far away from you, can you spot a woman that looks to you like she might be attractive? And my my illustration of this, because most of us are some somewhat familiar with it, is a football field. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm just really not much of a sports fan, but I've been to a few football games and I've sat in the end zone for some of those games. And I can look at somebody at the other end of the field. So we're talking more than 300 feet away, more than 100 yards away. And I can generally tell if it's a woman or a man. And I can't really see their face. I can't really see their form exactly. But, you know, there are cues. The bodies are shaped differently. And so the female form is something that most of us guys can spot from quite some distance away. I mean, that's a long way. Now, when you when you think about, you know, sometimes also, Brian, just for humorous value, sometimes you see somebody from a really far distance and, you know, she looks like she might be attractive. Then you get up closer to her. And and for whatever reason, she's not attractive. She's much older than you thought or the facial features aren't what you imagined. Or she turns around and she's got a mustache and a beard. And guess what? That long haired beauty is a thin, you know, sort of svelte man. But <laughs> he's not a woman after all. But so but but all of this typifies what the bigger part of the problem is for us. And that is, I love to ask guys this question. In your mind's eye, you see that woman somewhere, a waitress, uh, somebody at work, somebody at church, right? There is no place that, that our eyes aren't just aware and taking in uh, women that we might think are attractive. And I ask guys, and this is what I do when I talk to them live, you know, in, in your mind's eye, how does she compare with your wife? And the answer from the guys that are willing to be honest about it is great. And the reason she compares great, honestly, is because we don't know anything about her. So we conjure up this personality that just would think we were the greatest thing since sliced bread and apple pie. And this, this person would think everything we said was the smartest thing they'd ever heard. Like the only thing that was better than that was the thing we said five minutes before that. Like we would just keep setting the bar. They'd just be in awe of us. They would throw themselves at us, not just from a from a physical intimacy standpoint, but from a relationship standpoint. Like they just worship the ground we walked on. And that's what we conjure up in our mind. But the problem is that person doesn't exist. Not only is it not that person we see at the football game or at the restaurant or at church or at work. She doesn't exist at all. There is no woman like that. And I'll touch on that in a little while and, and the huge complication that that represents to us in our marriage. But, you know, when we look at somebody else and we just imagine some sort of a relationship, we think, oh, man, she'd be great. She'd have she'd throw her arms around me every day when I got home from work and her, her one foot would go up behind her dress and the string of pearls and all that sort of thing. And, you know, Brian, that woman just does not exist. Mm. 
It reminds me of an old movie back when I was in like high school or college, Weird Science, where these kids were trying to design the perfect woman, you know, on the computer, you know, and she's a supermodel, of course. And but yeah, all these personality characteristics. And all, yeah, it's exactly what you're saying, which she doesn't exist. Movie. I need to watch that movie. I've never seen that movie, but I need to watch it. It's very silly, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, that's it's just the way young teenage minds think, you know, but it's not just teenage boys, it's it's grown men too have great imaginations. It is. And and we crave respect. We crave someone that admires us. And so that really puts our other relationships at risk when we imagine that person might might be that way towards us. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Keep on going. Keep on going. Sure. Yeah. sure. So so we'll talk about pornography in a minute. And I'll just put a little a little um, a little clue out there. I think a lot of guys think there are no victims of pornography. I'm going to tell you seven victims. And I don't think that's all. That's just the number that I came up with when I put this talk together a couple of years ago. I'm going to give you there are at least seven victims of pornography. And some of them, uh, for the people listening, guys and gals, are really, really close to home. But before I even go there, when I, I was doing some research online just to find out statistics, which I'll share with you about pornography, and I found the most interesting thing that I found, honestly, was a researcher at the University of Montreal ab about 10 years ago now. They were trying to put a study together in 2012, 2013, and they wanted to compare men who had never viewed pornography with men who had. And the researchers had to change the study. The reason they had to change the study was they could not find any men who had never seen pornography. Their original study design was men who had never, ever seen any of it, and they could not find a single one. And I'm here to tell you, Brian, and I'll say this to a room full of guys or however many thousands of people listen to your podcast, if they had asked me to be in that study, I could not have been in the group that's never seen it. Of course, I've seen it. and But that statistic... The fact that there just basically aren't any guys who haven't seen it was mind blowing to me. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So we'll start there. And then here's some information that I did find. There was a 2016 study, and I can send you the links to these studies and you can distribute them if people want to see them. But a 2016 study found that 64% of men, whether Christian or not, view porn about once a month. That's 64% overall. Now, age-wise, this gets pretty scary, I think. It was 79% of 18 to 30-year-olds view porn every month, almost 80%. Two-thirds, 67% of 31 to 49-year-olds, and half of 50 to 68-year-olds view porn once a month. And the group of 18 to 30-year-olds of that 79% that view it monthly, 30% view pornography every day. And let me also say this. I asked a minute ago, you know, how does that woman that you see that you imagine, how does she compare with your wife? Well, how does, how does the girl on screen or on, you know, used to be magazines when I was a kid. Now nobody needs magazines anymore. How does she compare with your wife? Well, you know what? She wants you. All right. Those images, those girls want you. But I'm going to tell you something. And this was this was a little bit of a revelation to me a few years ago when I first learned this by way of a uh, ministry called International Justice Mission. Um, she, those girls in pornography, not only do they not want you, I mean, guys, look at yourself. 
wherever you're sitting right now listening to this, just look down at your belly, you know, look at your hair. Come on. There's a few of us out there that might still be handsome. I'm not one of them. I'm not saying anything about you, Brian. A lot of girls might consider you handsome. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I'm just telling you, you get a room full of guys, you look around. That's we're not who they who they would want. And you know what? Girls aren't looking for physical anyway. By and large, they're interested in emotional and relational connection. That's what they're looking for. And that's why I said earlier that um, rather than visual images for women as a generalization, it's more the sort of romance novel. The guy who's always knows what to say, always knows how to make them feel better in a romance novel. Guys, as compared to us who are clueless and inept typically at figuring out what our wife really needs from us. But let me tell you something else that's that's really sobering. So I want you guys that are listening to this to think about this. How many of you have daughters? How many of you have sisters? How many of you, like me, have granddaughters? How many of you have female cousins, just good female friends or female daughters of your good friends? Well, let me tell you something. Today, most of the women who are on screen, who are online, are unwilling victims of sex trafficking. They've gotten sucked in and they don't know how to get out or it's dangerous for them to get out and they don't wanna be there at all. Not only do they not want you, even though they may look like they do on the screen, not only do they not want you, they don't wanna be there at all. And if they could find an exit ramp and someone who could help them know how to get out and get untrapped from a life that they never chose and they are victimized by, they would take it in a heartbeat. So if you've got daughters, sisters, female friends, female, you know, I mean, daughters of, of good friends of yours, granddaughters, you know, guys, we have no business taking in those images because that's who they are. And let me tell you something, even if you don't, and even if those girls on screen don't have dads that are part of their lives, they are God's daughters. They are God's daughters. Mm. Wow. That's, that's really good. I've, I've, I actually heard that years ago, just, to, just the thought of the same thought, not about trafficking, but, but as far as lust and looking at women, you know, with your eyes and, you know, and when you start turning the thought to, do they know Jesus, you know, or wonder how the relationship is with their dad, or when you start humanizing them instead of just fantasizing them, it, it just to quickly turns your brain, you know, just quickly helps you escape the lust part of, of your brain, wherever you're going there. That's That's a fantastic point, Brian. It really is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's a big deal. I mean, it's a big problem, the pornography deal. And I, and I think, you know, and Christian or non-Christian, right? We'd like to think that the Christians are more sanctified and purified, and but they're still struggling with this stuff too, right? It's, it's a horrendous problem. I remember years ago hearing a statistic that when hotels would host conventions, you know, a lot of pornography... I, I guess maybe it still does. I don't really know, to be honest. But uh, there was a time when hotel television entertainment systems were a huge dispensary and a huge source of pornography. And hotel managers, as I understand it, would tell you that if they had a convention of any men, and something we're talking about Christian pastors in a convention, they said the pornography usage that would get billed to people's accounts was just as high as if it was any other group of men. Mm. And it is, it is a sad statistic. Now, I mean, on the one hand, 
it's interesting to me because God has designed us to be inherently, like we are systemically interested, instinctively interested in the female form. And I think there's lots of good reasons for that. And I'd be the first one to say, I hope every guy listening who's married thinks his wife is attractive or at least attractive to him. Uh, I, I think my wife is attractive and I, I tell her all the time, I'm, I'm so glad when I leave work and I'm driving home, I am looking forward to getting home. It's just the two of us, we're empty nesters. I'm looking forward to getting home just because I just feel so comfortable with her. And I hope every guy out there feels that way. But a lot of that, Brian, really is in our attitude. And pornography, as we're going to talk about here in a minute, creates a tremendous challenge for guys to be able to feel that way. And it's not their wives' fault when this is the case. Mm. Well, um, I was just thinking about that verse you read, Proverbs 6, 27 to 29. It says, um, you know, talking about someone having an affair and it said they will not go unpunished. You know, and I was, yeah. I guess I was thinking about some of the repercussions of, of lust and adultery and pornography. And I don't know if you're going to get into that down the, down in our talk here, or what, but I'd, I'd like to touch on that because, and, and some, some men listening already know, they already know what the repercussions are because they're living with it right now, you know, but uh, what would you say about that? You know, um, uh, I hadn't even thought about this. I haven't mentioned this in the talk, but as you were saying that I remembered Several years ago, it was five or six years ago, I got a Time magazine. And I actually think Time magazine is, is pretty good and pretty interesting. And I got one that had um, pornography was the cover story on it. And it showed a picture of this young guy with this kind of concerned look on his face. And reading the article, the article was not Christian at all. It was purely secular. And the basis of the article was all the problems that young men have who are highly addicted to pornography and and don't seem to be willing or able to find a way out of it and literally in their emotional relational and physical intimacy aspects of their relationships with women and the article wasn't talking about men necessarily even a monogamous marriage like we would desire or we would encourage guys to have it was any men relating to any woman sexually and how this creates a problem. And so I found it fascinating that, you know, we could have told them this from, from uh, the Bible books that were written 2000 or more years ago would have given a prescription against this. And to your point, Brian, the idea that no one will go unpunished. I think that's a great segue into the victims of porn, because again, people, people think and guys think, you know, well, there's not really a victim. I mean, that, that image is already done. It's already in the past. I'm just looking at an image. I'm just looking at a at a, a, a movie or a video or whatever it is that's already there. It already exists. So what's the harm? I'm not really harming anybody. Well, let me tell you something, guys. I've identified a minimum of seven victims of pornography. And if you remind me, Brian, at the end, I'll give you an eighth victim because I had someone reach out to me when I posted I was giving this talk. So victim number one, if you guys remember at the beginning of this, I asked you to think in your mind about if you think you have a pretty good life right now. And I think most of you would say, yeah, I've got a pretty good life. There's things I wish were better or different, but overall I've got a pretty good life. Well, guess what boys, your pretty good life as you know it now is absolutely at risk when you indulge and engage in pornography because pornography often leads to sexual addiction and sexual addiction puts everything at great risk. And just pornography by itself for many women is enough to put all this at risk. 
So 40% guys of sex addicts lose their spouses. 58% suffer significant financial losses. One third of guys who are sex addicts or porn addicts lose their jobs because 70% of pornographic traffic online is in the nine to five workday. And there is a 300% increase three times the marital infidelity. I'm a numbers guy, so technically a 300% increase means four times the marital infidelity. But there is a four times the marital infidelity among sex addicts as among people that are not engaged in pornography on some sort of regular basis. And guys, so that is victim number one. All that is victim number one. And victim number one is the pretty good life you have right now as you know it. You are risking all of that when you indulge in pornography. That's victim number one, Brian. Okay. And we'll just keep on keep on going. Okay. I, think, I think everyone wants to hear these uh, seven victims. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure how many guys want to hear them, but I'll tell you something. Um, we need to hear them. We need yeah. to be thinking about these. So guys, victim number two is your sex life. Your sex life becomes a victim of pornography because in your mind, you are laying with your wife, who is a real flesh and blood woman who is opening herself to you. She is making herself available to you in the physically intimate part of your relationship. And in your mind, you're vacillating back and forth between your almost certainly very imperfect wife physically because most of us don't have a wife that looks like somebody that would be on a Cosmopolitan magazine cover and whatever you've seen online. And as your mind vacillates back and forth, that creates a, I don't understand the physiology of it or anything like that, but it creates a real challenge for you to maintain and perform sexually for your wife's benefit and for your own benefit. And I'm trying to choose the words a little delicately, Brian. I have my limits, but I, I hope all the guys can kind of understand what we're talking about. Your sex life becomes a victim of your indulgence in pornography and then your inability to get those images out of your mind when you're with your real warm-blooded, flesh-and-blood woman, your wife, who's giving herself to you. Wow. Well, Scott, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there because we're our time is up for this this week's podcast. But we're gonna um, bring you bring you back in for next week, uh, and we're gonna pick up where we left off. Um, maybe this was a little bit of a, a warm up, you know, for the for the topic. But uh, you've got some great great points here and some great topics. So uh, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna pick right back up here uh, next week with uh, part two of this series. So. Uh, you never know with me, it may go part three, you know, we, we don't know. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff here. So, but uh, anyway, this is the Influencers Network podcast and uh, we do these every week and you can find more uh, broadcasts anywhere you watch or listen to podcasts. Uh, we're out there on Apple, Spotify, Google, all the, all the popular places where people listen to podcasts. You can also go to our website, influencers.org to see other broadcasts that we've done as well. So anyway, my name is Brian Craig. I'm the executive director for Influencers Global Ministries, and I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you today. 